Thanks a lot, team. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to sound like the Apostle Paul. Greetings from Great Falls. Everybody from Great Falls says greetings to you. I don't know, I just sound like I'm some epistle writing prophet or something. I don't know. No, but really, we're having such a great time in Great Falls. Uh, we're building connections with some of the other uh, leaders of other churches there. We're working really closely with the rescue mission. We're just two blocks down from the rescue mission. So uh, we're making an impact for Connect Church in Great Falls. So if you don't know me, I am the lead pastor of the campus in Great Falls. My name is Bob Fick. And so I just say thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. I love it. Last time I was down here was in March to be commissioned. Somebody said earlier it was like a convocation. Who was it? Chris, what did you call that? I can't remember what Chris called it. But uh, yeah, so I got commissioned to be the lead pastor of Great Falls. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, no, but it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm loving it. We're doing, doing a good work up there. And so I thank you for your prayers. And when you guys visit Great Falls, come see us, right? It's, it's great because we have a great band just like you guys have a great band. We have loving people just like you guys are loving people. So it's like the same church in two locations. It's really awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, please. Uh, no, they don't huckle me, too, huckle me too much, but you can. All right, cool. Yeah, you know, you have to build that kind of culture. You guys have been going for like eight years now. So, you know, maybe in eight years they will be free to heckle, but uh, not yet. But that's cool. You know, yeah, why don't you do that? That would be cool. All right, hey, we are in the second part of a four-part series on prayer. We're calling it Pray. And last week Dean shared with you, Uh, about the power of prayer, that we need to pray big, specific prayers so that we see God move mightily in our lives and the lives of the people that are around us that we're praying for. And I thought that was was a great message, and I listened to Dean's podcast, and I think Dean Dean did did a great job. But what we're doing in this series is we're looking at four prayers that Paul prayed in the New Testament. And the first one was... Uh, I'm calling these the so that prayers. The first one was, we are, uh, I pray that you would be filled with power so that Christ may dwell in your inner beings. So we want Christ to dwell in our inner beings, beings, so we need to pray for power so that will happen in and through our lives. And today's no different. We're going to be talking about, today's message is called Active in Sharing Your Faith. Active in Sharing Your Faith. Watch this video. Always say to my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. So who doesn't want a full understanding of everything we have in Christ? Right? I'm raising my hand. I mean, that's what, we, that's what we need. So sharing our faith will produce that in our lives. Now, last week, Dean shared some children's prayers with you guys, and those were really cute. That was, it was really good. And I remember when I was a kid, I was probably five or six years old, and I hail from Buffalo, New York. Yeah, go Buffalo. I love the Sabres, great hockey team. I, I know they didn't do too well this year. They had the second, second pick of the draft, so okay. But they were playing the Chicago Blackhawks on this one Saturday, and I remember they were watching the game, and they were down by a couple goals, and I had this brilliant idea. I'm like, hey, why don't I run into my parents' room because there's a cross there, and I'll pray that the Sabres are going to win. So I ran into my parents' room. I kneeled down. I'm like, Lord, 
please let the Sabres beat the Chicago Blackhawks today. If you, if you do that, I will clean my room without being asked for one week. No, for a month. Please, Lord, have them win. And so I prayed that prayer, and I ran back out to watch the game, and they ended up losing. And so I was crushed as a little kid. But isn't that kind of ridiculous prayer? I mean, for a kid, it's kind of cute. But think about the prayers that we pray that are ridiculous. I thought about a prayer that I prayed not too long ago, actually last year. I went to the fair up in Great Falls. And so I'm sitting there, we're having lunch. And, you know, as a good Christian, we all pray for our meals, right? So I pray that the Lord's going to bless and nourish this food in my body. Then I opened up my eyes and I realized there was a triple cheeseburger, chili fries, and extra large Mountain Dew. Okay? That takes more faith than parting the Red Sea to have that meal turn into grilled chicken, broccoli, and kale. All right? It's just not going to happen. That's a ridiculous prayer that I prayed. But we do that. We pray sometimes ridiculous prayers. But now let, let's pray uh, or let's talk seriously a little bit uh, about, about prayer right now. Paul was writing this letter in the New Testament. It was actually a personal letter to his friend, a wealthy businessman called Philemon. And it's really, it's the only letter that Paul writes that's personal. A lot of the other prayer or letters that Paul writes are to churches or groups of people, but this one was a personal letter. It was actually a heartfelt plea to Philemon. And let me give you the backstory just a little bit. Philemon was a, a wealthy businessman, and he had a home church taking place in, in his home. And they were doing really good things. I mean, they were reaching out, and they were touching the believers in that community, refreshing the hearts of the believers. And we'll read that that Paul commends him on that in, in the letter that he writes to him. But back then they had slaves, and there was this one particular slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus escaped from Philemon's house because he was one of Philemon's slaves, and he made his way all the way to Rome. And we don't know exactly the circumstances behind it, but he finds himself in Paul's company, and Paul leads him to the Lord. And so now this slave who ran away from Philemon, and he finds himself in Rome, now he's saved, he's loving Jesus, he's, his life has been transformed, he's a new creation. And so what Paul decides to do is write a letter in, on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon, because Onesimus, I suppose, had it in his heart that he made, needed to make things right with Philemon on how he left and stuff. Now he had this great transformation in his life. And he's like, you know what? I need to do the right thing. I need to go back and, and just be subject to whatever and, and just try to make this thing right. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon. And we, we pick it up in verse uh, 4. There's only one chapter. So Philemon chapter 1, verse 4. Let me read this for you. You're going to read a couple verses here. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Wow, that's really cool. I'd like somebody to write a letter about that to me, right? Hearing about my faith and then also that I love all the saints. And I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. And then he goes on to say, and finish up here in verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. So, wow, we see here that Paul's really heard about Philemon and the things he's doing in the church and how he's refreshing the hearts of the saints and that he has love for the saints and all that. 
But whenever I read something, I sometimes get a little critical and I ask some questions. And so I don't have any basis on this. This is just supposing. But I think this is really good for us to frame our teaching with today. Just suppose, why would Paul be putting that in that letter about the active and sharing his faith? Obviously, he's commended him twice on the relationship that Philemon has with believers or saints, but yet he puts in there that you may be active in sharing your faith. And I looked up what the word active means. It means exerting force, power, or influence. And then it also means engaged in, concerned with, or pertaining to the work or productivity. So what Paul is saying here is that he wants Philemon to be active in sharing his faith with those that are around him so that it's productive, so that the kingdom grows. And we already know that he said that a lot of good things about you know, uh, reaching out to the saints or the believers. But I'm wondering maybe if Philemon really didn't have a good faith-sharing plan that he was doing. Because think of this. Onesimus was his slave who lived in his house. I'm sure maybe not in his house, but there's probably quarters on the grounds or whatever. He probably saw this church meeting every week. He probably was around what was going on, but yet he made it all the way to Rome and got saved underneath Paul's teaching. And so that leads me to say, what, what was Philemon doing? And not bagging on him or anything, just some critical questions for us to think about and see how can this be applied to our own lives today. And so it's a dangerous place for any Christian to be inward focused and maybe self-centered because when we get to that point to where we're inward focused or self-centered, sometimes we become judgmental. Sometimes we're fear-driven and, and a lot of times we're critical in what's going on around us. Now, I remember... Uh, when Jean and I, my wife, and she says hello once again from Great Falls. She wasn't able to make it up this week, and she won't be here next week either. But she sends her, I know, I know. Oh, she sends her, and she is, much better. She sends her love. But what, what, we, what we did when we got saved is we got really involved in church and a lot of things and really learning about God and everything that was going on. But what we ended up doing is isolating ourselves in a little Christian bubble. Not that we didn't have any friends that weren't Christians, because I worked on the base and stuff, and so did Gene. But it seemed like we pulled away from the world and isolated ourselves, and that can happen to any one of us. But what we really need to do, and I thought about this last night or this morning, is we as Christians, I think of a boat and then the safety boat, you know, the little safety boat. So if the ship is going down, what do you see in the movies a lot of times? There's people that are one foot, just a little bit on the boat, and the, most of their body weight's in the safety boat. And they're having people come into the safety boat, and then when the safety boat's full, they jump in and they launch off. And that's kind of what I see us doing. Not that we have one foot in the world and one foot in the safety boat, but what we're doing is we're helping people coming off this burning ship into the safety boat so that then they can launch and have this awesome dynamic relationship with Jesus. Jesus never told us at the end of any of the Gospels that you read, go ahead and sequester yourself in isolation and never talk to anybody in the world again. No, no. What Jesus said, he said, go out and be light and be salt to the world that's around you. And so I really think that Philemon here at this point in time maybe lost that message a little bit. He did a great job reaching out to the saints, 
loving them and refreshing them, and absolutely we're supposed to do that as a church community and believers, absolutely. But we can never lose, lose focus that we need to be active, productive, in sharing our faith with those that are around us. So the, the next question I had then is, well, why don't we share our faith? And there's several reasons. I'm just going to mention a few. The one thing is maybe we forgot the importance of sharing our faith because we live a busy life. I'm sure if I, if I question each one of you, everybody's busy, right? So how's life going? Oh, it's great, but I'm busy. You know, so what have you been up to? Oh, a lot. I'm busy. So everybody's busy in life. And sometimes we forget about the important things. The next thing might be is maybe you've shared your faith, but you were rejected. And maybe it was a really tumultuous rejection by somebody that was really ticked off and gave you the what for. Well, that would make you a little gun shy about sharing your faith, wouldn't it? Or maybe it just comes down to selfishness sometimes. Or another reason is maybe you feel that you just don't know enough. I need to study the Bible a little bit more, and then I can share my faith a little bit better. You know, you, you have that feeling that you're just a little bit inadequate, and you just don't share your faith. Well, there's two progressions here that I want to chat about real quick. The first progression we're going to have up on the screen is when you share your faith. I'm sorry, I'm running a little fast with the slides. When you share your faith, the next thing that happens is lives are impacted. And for those of you that have shared your faith before, you could probably attest to that. Absolutely. When I share my faith, lives are changed. There's things are impacted. And it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work. But he, he uses us as part of the plan. So we share our faith. Lives are impacted. And then the next thing we see here is that we have understanding or a full understanding is what Paul says. So we just understand things about the Bible a little bit better. We're in tune more with spiritual things that are going on around us. And then the next thing that happens is we are outward focused. And if you keep this cycle going on, then you want to share more. And when you share more, lives are impacted. Then you have a fuller understanding, and then you're outward focused. And it's a great cycle that we get into, a great progression. But there's another progression here, too, on the flip side of the coin. If we don't share our faith, what happens? Lives are not changed, obviously. So we're not sharing our faith. The people that the Lord is putting in our path, their, their lives aren't changed. And then what? And then we have less appreciation for spiritual things. We kind of grow cold a little bit in our relationship with God, or lukewarm, so to speak. And then what happens after that? Then we get inward focus, like I talked about earlier. And then that starts that vicious cycle all over again. We're inward focused, then we don't share. Lives aren't changed or impacted, and then there's less appreciation for spiritual things, and then we become inward focused again. But I don't think that is what God has for us. He wants us to share and reach out to those that are around us. But sharing our faith is definitely challenging. I'm not saying it's easy. It's difficult for each one of us, depending on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Let's watch this video and see if we can learn something. I love those guys, the skit guys, and, uh, you know, obviously most of that video is what not to do when you try to reach out to people, but that end, that was true. That was Tommy and Eddie, and that's what Tommy did. He said it was the first time he actually asked somebody to church, and Eddie comes to church and finds a relationship with Jesus, and then his life is just totally transformed, and that's what it's about. That's, that's what it's about, and that's why we share our faith with people. We don't do the saving. The Holy Spirit does the saving and the drawing. 
we're just part of the plan. You know, we're just part of what's going on, what God has us doing. And that's really awesome. So there's actually four practical ways to help people connect with God. Four practical ways to help people connect with God. The first one is, is that simply just be loving and direct. Just be loving and direct. Peter, in the beginning of Acts, had a great message that he shared with anybody that was around him. And thousands of people came to know who Jesus was that day. And he did a lovingly. I mean, he was really reaching out to his kinfolk, so to speak, and he was doing a great job. But there was one particular point in that message that he says this, you need to repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very direct, told them exactly what they needed to do. And so we can use that same thing in our lives too. Now, there is a caution here. If you're too direct all the time, you're just going to be known as a jerk, all right? That's what you, a jerko Christian is what they're going to call you because loving comes first, being loving and direct. There's been plenty of times in my life that I've had some great conversations with people that the Holy Spirit was just prompting something for me to say and I said it and it was really direct, but it was received well because of in the context of the conversation that we were having. And so God will do that. He will bring us into those conversations to where we can be loving, but also be direct. So look for those opportunities in your life. The second thing is, is we can simply share our story. Nobody can take your story away. Your story is your story. We see the story of a blind man in the Gospel of John, chapter 9. And it's a great story. I'm not going to read it. But basically, the blind man was healed. And at the end, the religious leaders are kind of questioning him saying, okay, what happened and all this stuff? And he's like, I don't know about all this theological stuff. The only thing I know is that I was blind and now I see. That's it. That's my experience. Yesterday, I woke up blind. Today, I met Jesus and now I can see. And each one of us really spiritually can say that in our own lives. But that's what we do. We just share the story. How your life was before, what did that encounter look like, and then now how has your life changed? And nobody can take it away. Nobody can say you're wrong because you haven't studied the Bible enough. It's simply your story. And it's powerful. There have been many times I've been able to share my story with people, either on missions trips or in Great Falls, or there was a particular one time at a men's group. I was running a men's group a few years ago, and it was one night where I just felt prompted to share my story, and a guy came up afterward, and he's like, will you pray with me to accept Jesus? Your story really sparked something in my heart, and I just, I can relate to it, and I need to accept Jesus tonight. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And if we never share our story, that opportunity will never happen for us. So number three then, the third way, a practical way, is invite people to connect. Really simple, really easy. There's a, a story of a woman at a well. She met Jesus in, in John chapter 4, and Jesus was telling her all kinds of stuff, and she came to know who Jesus was, and then she ran back to her community and said, you've got to listen to this guy teach. I've never heard anybody teach like the way he teaches. There's something different about Jesus. You need to come and listen. The same thing with us. You know, hand out those Connect cards. Invite them to special events. Have them come. This is a great atmosphere. This is a great time. There's loving people here. We've got a great band. There's a lot of cool things happening and going on. It's a very non-threatening atmosphere. Invite people to connect and see what will happen. And then the fourth thing, fourth practical, is just live your life that others would want. Live a life that others would want. Paul and Silas in Acts were in jail. And what happened was there was this 
earthquake and, and the jail doors broke open and all this crazy stuff was happening. And the jailer, back in those times, if he lost a prisoner, would be executed. So he's there thinking about committing Harry Carey because of the, this jail is all busted open. But Paul and Silas are like, no, 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 we're still here. Don't kill yourself, we're, st- we're still here. And it, then the jailer's like, you guys are different than anybody else that's ever been in jail. You're singing to God, you're happy, what's, what's up? So they shared Jesus with the jailer, and the, Jesus got, and, and the jailer got saved. Isn't that powerful? And that's all we can do, too, is just share our lives with others, live a life like they did, being joyful in dire circumstances. You know, we have a peace and a joy that we don't understand. I don't understand where it comes from. I mean, I know it comes from God, but in the midst of a, a trial or a circumstance, God can use our lives to speak volumes to other people. And so those are just four practical ways that we can share our faith with others. And when we do that, when we share our faith with others, three things happen. Three things happen. The first thing is, is that you become a part of a divine story. Like I made mention before, we're a part of the divine story. We're just a piece of the puzzle. The Bible uses a lot of agricultural terms in the New Testament. And, you know, in Montana, we understand agriculture here. And so there are people that plant the seed. Basically, that's just sharing Jesus, sharing your faith. There's people that water the seed. Maybe people that aren't in a relationship yet have some questions. They just want to know a little bit more about God. Maybe they have a concern about life in general. And we're there to answer those questions and help them out. And then the last thing is is that there's a harvester, somebody who harvests the seed. And that's when you get to walk somebody through and pray with them about accepting Jesus and see that transformed life. That's powerful. But we all have a part to play in the journey of the spiritual journey that God is using us in. The second thing is your faith will grow. You're part of a divine story, but your faith will grow. And for those of you that have seen and shared and been a part of seeing somebody's life transformed, you know that that just boosts your faith. It's incredible. It's like the best drug you will ever take. You know? It's just awesome when you see somebody's life transformed. My faith just grows exponentially when something like that happens. And then the third thing is, is that we are reminded of what we have in Christ. That's what Paul was talking about when he was talking to Philemon in this chapter. He said, you'll have a full understanding, a full understanding. And that is amazing that we get to see that happen, that we're reminded what it was. And and I know I always think about this when I'm sharing my faith with somebody. I always think of when I was back there right before I accepted the Lord. And what an exciting, dynamic, awesome time it was for me. And I, now I get to experience that with somebody else. I'm reminded of what I have in Christ and the blessing that it is to be able to serve him and the fact that we get to spend eternity with Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up. We do, we're going to do things just a little bit differently today. We're going to take part in communion here in a little bit, and I got some next steps and stuff like that to talk about. But what I want to talk about right now is just this life with Jesus. I would imagine that there's some of us here that don't have this relationship with Jesus that I've been talking about. Or maybe you have had this relationship, but through circumstances through life, maybe you've kind of walked away from God a little bit. Well, today is your opportunity to make your relationship with God right and put it back on track. You know, Jesus came, Son of God, came down to earth, lived a sinless life, 
died on a cross so that he would be the bridge between us and God. Because of the sin that's in our lives, we're separated from God because of that sin. But because of Jesus' sacrifice and what he did for us, now we get to accept that, believe that, and be in this relationship with him. We get to spend eternity with God. We know where we're going. We don't have to be confused about it. We get a dynamic relationship here on earth too. That's another blessing of being saved or born again or whatever you want to say. Being in a relationship with Jesus. It's a dynamic relationship right here on earth. Is life perfect? Absolutely not. But I, like I said before, I have a joy and a peace that I don't understand that gets me through the day. I don't understand or know how I made it through the days before I knew who Jesus was. It's incredible the transformation that Jesus brings into our lives. So let's just go ahead and spend a moment in prayer if you bow your heads with me. Father God, I know, Lord, that there are people here that need to say this simple prayer. They've been trying to do it on their own, and maybe that's you. Maybe you've been trying to do it on your own. Or maybe you were in this relationship with Jesus before, but you got fed up and you walked away and you said, it's not for me. Well, it is for you. And so if that's you, if you've never said a prayer to have Jesus come into your heart, or or maybe you did and and you've walked far from him, today's your day. And I'm going to pray this prayer over you, and I would just say silently pray this to yourself. Father God, I believe that Jesus was sent to live here on earth and die for my sins. I accept and I confess that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior. So I pray that you will come into my life, that you will change my heart, take away my sins as far as the east is from the west. Change my life, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for those people that have prayed that prayer. We do that differently, different times. If, if that was you today and you said that prayer, mark that on your connection card. We're going to be collecting them here in a little bit. Mark that on your connection card. We want to come alongside of you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to be there walking through this life with you. That's what it's all about. That's why we're called the church. Church isn't a building. It's us. It's people. We come together. We're the church. All right, so I saved a couple things for the end. The big idea today is sharing your faith equals remembering what you have in Christ. Sharing your faith equals remembering what you have in Christ. And then a couple next steps. The first next step is continue to pray for power. We prayed for power last week. We're going to continue to pray for power this week. Number two. Pray for being active and sharing your faith in Christ. And also pray for the other believers that are around you, that they would be active in sharing their faith as well. And then the third next step is if you pray that prayer, it's powerful. So you need to be alert for opportunities to share your faith. Be alert for opportunities to share your faith. I see the ushers are passing out the elements for communion. It's an open communion today. And so you don't have to be a member of Connect to partake. We just say uh, celebrate with us as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus 
and what that means in our lives. And so let's worship with the band for a moment while the elements are being passed out. And go ahead and hold them, and then we'll take communion together. In Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14, it says this, When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Wow, that's going to be awesome. I think about that every time. And then he goes on to say, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And that's what we do. We take this bread as a symbol of Jesus' body, and we remember the sacrifice on the cross. We remember the excruciating pain that he went through to provide salvation to each one of us. And it's humbling, and there's not many words, if any, that we can say other than thank you. Father God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice, for being that sacrifice for me and for each one of us. God, it's a personal thing. And we give you honor, we give you glory, Jesus, and we just simply say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's partake of the bread together. And after supper, he took a cup of wine and he said this, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so this juice, once again, symbolizes Jesus' blood, the blood that was shed so that our sins might be forgiven. And that's powerful, what he did. The sacrificial lamb, Jesus is called. He was a sacrificial lamb for us. Father God, I thank you once again, Jesus, for your shed blood that takes my sins away. Once again, it's humbling. We just simply say thank you. The only thing we can do is give our lives back to you as an offering, as a sacrifice for the sacrifice that you paid for us. So I would just pray that you would use us. Help us to share our faith each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink from the cup. I tell you what, that never gets old. I've been walking with the Lord for 22, 23 years. I love every Easter. I love every Christmas. And I love every time we get a chance to do communion together. It's awesome. It is awesome. So we have just a couple things to finish up our time together today. Next week is part three of our praise series. We're going to be talking about unity. We talked about power last week for big, specific prayers that we're going to pray. We're praying for that again this week. We're also adding to pray that our faith is active as we reach out to those that are around us. And we're going to learn next week about how to pray for unity. So come back and join us for that. And I just want to say thank you once again for allowing me the opportunity to share with you guys today. It's awesome. I love coming down. I love visiting with you guys. It's great. Yeah, man. We love you. We love you. Scotty's going to take us home, man. Take us home, Scotty.